to talk about today. Before I do, um, I want to release a, a scripture over this congregation. And I'm, I'm a little bit inspired by hope back there. There's this, this is like one of my life scriptures. It's a prayer in Romans. Paul the Apostle prays for the Romans church. And he says, now, this is Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just release that hope over everybody in this congregation. Hope is so powerful that God calls himself the God of hope. It's so powerful that it says that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that releases hope. And notice that it says that he'd fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. Those are the ingredients of hope. (laughs) So I just release the joy and peace over all of you today, too. Um, Yeah, thank you, Jesus. So today I wanted to uh, share... um, I've got so much that I'm like trying to think, man, I could go on here. But for time's sake, I'm going to just... Uh, pray about it and hopefully it'll all work out. But I wanted to share about raising our expectations. Deborah's testimony was was perfect. Um, And I wanted to say this because this, this idea changed my life. This idea that I'm about to share with you today changed my life. It's, it's the idea of pursuing God without limits. Often we have ideas of how God does things because of our ex- past experience. Uh, we, we have ideas of God will do this, but he won't do that. You know, we kind of draw lines in the sand and we're like, well, this is my comfort zone and I don't want to go past that line. But how many of you know that often it's past our lines where God meets us? He asks us, he asks us to do things sometimes that are beyond our comfort zone, and it's when we step out in faith, that's where he meets us. Um, and there are so many scriptures that, that talk about this idea, and they're almost so too good to be true that they're hard to believe. We just read them and we're like, oh, that's nice. I can't even relate to that because it's so surreal almost. But God, God is so big. He wants to do all of those things. They wouldn't be in the scriptures if he didn't actually want to do them in our lives. And so today what I wanted to do is start off by sharing some amazing scriptures and then going into... Um, a portion of scripture about prayer that transformed my life when I got a hold of it. And my prayer is that just as it impacted me, it'll have the same effect on you. Because when I saw this and I actually took it and applied it in my life, I was never the same again. And I'll share a bit of that story uh, towards the end. Um, but before I do, I want to, 2 Corinthians one twenty is an amazing verse. And I I wanted to start off with this verse to raise our expectations, because as I read these scriptures, if you keep this mind and this verse in your mind, you'll realize that all of these scriptures I'm about to share are for you, and they're for everybody in this room. It says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. No matter how many promises, no matter how many promises, how many of you know there's, there's thousands of promises in the scripture? And this, this, this scripture basically says, we don't have, if we find a promise in the word of God, it's not a matter of, is it God's will? It's, it's yes, it's God's will. If you find a promise in Scripture from God, by Christ's stripes you're healed, it's not, oh, I wonder if it's God's will whether I'm healed or not. It's yes. I say yes to that because my word is more real and more true than what your, your particular temporal circumstances are telling you. So I want to tell you this because there are a lot of promises in Scripture, and as I share them, keep this in mind that, that yes, they're for you. 
they're yes from God. And he, he says yes. As you, as you seek after them, they're all yes and amen in Christ. And so the first scripture I wanted to share um, that, that basically is, is a scripture that shows us there's absolutely no limits is John 14, 11 through 14. It says, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father, this is Jesus talking, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Wow. Greater works than Jesus. This is Jesus telling us this. How many know Jesus doesn't lie? <laughs> if he tells us we're going to do greater works than he himself did, how many of you know that's a, that's a promise that God says yes to? That's going to happen. We just got to believe it. Verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why don't you say with me, whatever. What does whatever, does he say some things? No. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything. Say anything. Does he say some things? No. He says anything in my name and I'll do it. This is Jesus telling us, we can ask him whatever we ask him, he'll do it. And we can ask for anything and he'll do it. Is that not showing us there's no limits in Christ? That if we ask him something in his name, he promises us that he's going to do it. Isn't that phenomenal? Like, I love it because it's Jesus telling us this. Jesus is God. And he's telling us whatever we ask in his name, he's going to do it for us. So I just want to say no limits. Why do you say it with me? No limits. Yeah. Let's raise our expectations. Christ did some amazing things in the Bible, and if he's telling us we're going to do greater things than those, we've got to just take his word for it and believe it. Uh, another scripture that I love, uh, Mark, and some of you, uh, I've, never mind. <laughs> um, it, it's Mark 11, 20, 24, through 24. I'll just read it. In the morning is... Actually, I'm going to just start in verse 22. This is Jesus again talking. He says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Verse 23, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done uh, for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever... Why don't you say it again? Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you've received it, and it'll be yours. Wow. I love that. Jesus is telling us, whatever we ask for prayer, if we believe it, we're going to get it. No limits. Mark 9.21. Mark 9.23. Everything is possible for him who believes. Why don't you say with me, everything. Everything. Everything is possible for him who believes. Again, this is Jesus telling us this. Now, um, <sighs> oh my goodness, God is so good. I'm gonna. I am gonna do this. I'm just trying to figure out, um, you know, what to share. What Paul? Paul has an amazing prayer in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to pray this over you guys as I'm sharing this. So just receive this as a prayer to you. Starting in verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
I'm going to repeat that one. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can we even grasp what that means? He's saying that we would be filled <laughs> to the measure of the fullness of God. Okay? Now, that's, that's pretty bold. But look what he says after this. This is how he ends his prayer. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul says, he prays that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then he says, now to him who's able to do even beyond what we can ask or imagine, so, so it's hard for us to imagine what the fullness of God even looks like, but he's saying God can even do more than that. He can even give you more than the fullness of God. So, so we often set limits in our minds. Um, like, what's the biggest, what's your dreams? You know, and often we, we might think, oh, this would be nice, but, you know, it's, and then we give reasons why it's not possible. It might be finances, it might be whatever, you know, we can come up with a hundred reasons why it's not possible. But how, do you, how many of you know if you can imagine that, that's thinking too small because God can do beyond what you're even able to imagine is possible. And if Christ said whatever we ask for in prayer, he's going to do it in his name, then, then we've got to raise our expectations and believe to take him at his word and say, no, this is possible because Christ said that he's going to answer whatever I ask for in his name. Now, with that being said, I want to now share this scripture I was alluding to earlier that honestly transformed my life. Um, it was in 2006 when I got a hold of this, and I'll share the, more of the testimony after. But I want to share with you uh, this scripture. It's, it's, uh, it's from Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. And this is... This is a really great portion of scripture. Because Jesus himself, how many people would be excited if Jesus visited you personally and taught you how to pray? How many, of course we would be excited. This portion of scripture is Jesus teaching how to pray. His disciples ask him, how do we pray? And this is Jesus' answer. So this is an important scripture because it's Jesus himself teaching us how to pray. So I'm going to just read this scripture um, in its fullness, and and show you what he showed, what I uh, found in this scripture, in hopes that it'll bless you too. So I'll just start off in verse one. It says, "One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as um, just as John taught his disciples.' Now, verses uh, two and four are, is the Lord's prayer, and we all know the Lord's prayer, so I'm not going to go too in depth in that." You know, the church has been praying the Lord's Prayer for thousands of years now. And we, we all probably, most of us probably know it by heart. I don't know why, but for some reason we often stop there. But Jesus didn't stop there. In verse 5 through 13, he's continuing in his teaching how to pray. And for, I don't, this is such an important portion of the scripture because the Lord's Prayer, don't get me wrong, I love the Lord's Prayer. I'm not trying to downplay it, but I, I want to emphasize verses 5 through 13, because for some reason it's often neglected, and it's so important. The Lord's Prayer, Jesus is basically giving us a template of what to pray. The rest of it is how to pray. It's the, and and I'll, I'll elaborate on that more, but Jesus is basically saying, now this is how you pray. This is how you approach the Father when you're praying. And in here, there's Three dimensions of prayer. And I'm going to just read it and I'll, I'll explain that more in a minute. So in verse 5, Jesus gives this parable. He says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose to the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, verse 8 blows my mind. Every, almost every time I read I'm like, wow, this is Jesus talking. This, Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not give up, get, get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. 
Some versions say boldness, some say shameless persistence. Whatever it says, it's a strong word. And it's Jesus telling us, because you have to be shamelessly audacious in prayer. Isn't this interesting? This is Jesus telling us this. The Messiah, the Son of God, says you, because, you're, because of his shameless audacity, he's going to get as much as he needs, as he asks for. So not only is he giving us permission, he's giving us a key to prayer. That in our prayer life, we have to actually posture ourselves and approach the things we're seeking after with shameless audacity. I think, you know, I don't know why, but somehow we have this idea that we have to, you know, bow our heads. And this is fine. I'm not trying to mock this, but, you know, bow our heads and be really quiet and pray in our minds. And that's fine. But I don't think that's shamelessly audacious prayer. Going to someone's house in the middle of night, knocking on the door, waking his whole family up. At that time, they all slept in one room and the animals slept with them. So he woke the animals up to ask for bread is shamelessly audacious. That's pretty audacious. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't bowing his head and not saying anything. He went in the middle of the night to get bread and wait, woke up a whole family just to ask for it. So, so now get this. In verse 9, he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then he repeats himself. He says, For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now the first thing I want to point out is, do you notice those are three absolutely different things? Asking, seeking, and knocking are totally different things. I think, I don't know why, but... We, I, we can read this kind of this scripture a hundred times, read through and be like, oh, that's nice, and not even see that he's saying, no, prayer consists of three different things. Now, we have asking down. I think when we think of prayer, we, we might even think it's synonymous with asking. But how many of you know Jesus is saying, no, you've got to seek and you've got to knock, and that's when you're going to get your answer. And if you notice in the parable... That parable isn't just a random parable. The guy, those three elements are actually in that parable. The guy goes seeking in the middle of the night for bread. He knocks on his friend's door and then he asks for bread. So those three elements, Jesus was using that parable to show, no, these are three dimensions of prayer that you need to do in order to get answer to your prayer. And then he, sh- he tells him that, um, and then he repeats it, as I mentioned, in verse 9 and 10, three time, or two times. In Scripture, when something is repeated two times, that's him saying, with basically highlighted bold letters, listen, you know, this is important. Ask, seek, and knock. And that's why Jesus says it two times, and then he uses the parable. So it's actually three times Jesus is saying, you've got to ask, you've got to seek, you've got to knock. So I'm going to... Um, Go, just elaborate on those three things, just to give you sort of practical application. Um, As I mentioned, we all pretty much have asking down. I think we all know how to ask God for things, but but I'm going to go over it anyway. I don't want to downplay it. Um, And then I'm going to talk about seeking and knocking. So what I'm going to do for asking, since we all know how to ask God for things, I'm just going to share some amazing scriptures um, on asking to, to raise our expectations. So, I already, I already shared some at the beginning, but I, I'm going to share some more to show you how amazing uh, asking is, how, how, how many promises there are that we get whatever we ask for. So in 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, let's just do it for fun. Why don't we say Anything. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So that's, again, a promise that if we ask anything according to his will, whatever we ask, we know that, that we have what we ask of him. Now, I don't want to trip you up. You might be like, well, is it God's will? Like I mentioned before, if it's in scripture, it's God's will. Healing is God's will. You know, because if he's done it for anybody, he'll do it for you. God's no respecter of persons. So we want to keep that in mind. If there's any promise in scripture, it's yes and amen. Uh, now, another scripture on asking, John 15, 7 through 8. It's, this is Jesus talking. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
Let's repeat that. Whatever you wish. Why aren't you? <laughs> Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So, so th- this is interesting because Jesus is saying whatever you wish. What are your desires? It'll be done for you if you ask. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus wants us to ask for things, for desires, um, because it'll bear fruit. And he wants us to bear fruit so we can glorify his Father. John 15:16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask for in my name, the Father will give to you. So I'm just hammering this home. <laughs> so you, I'm giving you all these scriptures and you can go, wow, God, you said this many times, whatever I ask for, it will be done. John 16:23 to 24. Again, this is Jesus talking. He says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Verily, truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. So notice Jesus made the point. He said, up until now, you haven't asked for anything. That's why you haven't gotten it. But if you ask, you'll receive so that your joy would be complete. So Jesus is saying, I want to answer your prayers so that your joy will be complete. There's, there's a purpose for, for answered prayers to glorify his father and is to make your joy complete. So it's not wrong to ask God for things you wish for. Um, sometimes we have an idea, I think, that it's, it's not humble to ask for God for things that, that we want. We, we're like, oh, you know, it'd be nice, but we should, add, we should pray for, you know, orphans or, you know, something. But Jesus is saying, no, I, w- I want you to, to pray whatever you wish for. And, um, and you'll receive it so that your joy will be complete. God is a good God and he wants us to have joy. and He wants our joy to be complete. So he wants us to co-labor with him in prayer so that he can answer our prayers. So, all of that to say, we should ask God for things, <laughs> even if it's things that we desire. I think it's Psalms 34.7. No, it'd be Psalms 37.4. I could look it up, but I think it's 37.4. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, God, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Does anyone know, is that 34.7 or 37.4? 37.4. That God wants to give you the desires of your heart. And he will if you delight yourself in him. So it's not wrong to pray for desires you have. I just want to emphasize that because um, tradition has told us it is wrong for some reason, but it's really not. You know, if Jesus is telling us it's not wrong, then we know it's not. Um, so that's asking. So, we, so just, you know, we got to ask. Now, the second thing I want to really go over, because I think this is something that, that gets missed in prayer, is seeking. Jesus says, if you seek, you'll find. What seeking is, is an active pursuit of that which you're, which you're asking for, which you're seeking after. And that might sound obvious, but, but I, I, don't, I think we, we can miss that one, because what does seeking actually look like? What does that mean? And I think seeking can look like different things. So I don't want to give a formula or anything, but it's the active pursuit element that we're talking about. The man who needed bread went and, and sought after it actively went on a journey to get bread. And so that can look like different things. So I'll just give you an example of all these things. Say, say you want greater breakthrough in, in the healing you know, ministry, that, that you haven't seen anybody healed, and you'd like to, though. And you see in scriptures that Jesus healed everyone who came to him, and that there's so many promises by Christ's stripes, you're healed. You know, uh, Acts 10.38, it says that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good, and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. You know, there's so many promises about healing, but, you know, often it's like, well, because of our past experience, we're like, well, it must not be for me. But, but Jesus is saying, no, it is for you. You just got to ask, you got to seek, and you got to knock. So, of course, if we want greater breakthrough in healing, just simply ask for it. I mean, that's pretty obvious. God, I want to see miracles when I lay my hands on people so that they'll be healed. I want to see cancer healed. I want to see, you know, and just simply asking but what would seeking look like? It could look like different things, but seeking after something is an active pursuit. So, for example, you might listen to teachings on healing. You might go to uh, conferences on healing. You might read books on healing from people who've had breakthrough from it. You might ask people who've had breakthrough for healing to pray for you for impartation. 
You might listen to sermons on healing. Whatever it is, those are all actively pursuing things. Going to a conference, actually going, whether it's driving or flying somewhere for a conference, is seeking for something and actually doing that is praying. Isn't that interesting? That if we actually seek after something, if we actively go you know, to the conference... That that's actually prayer. We think of prayer. We limit prayer as, oh, it's asking. But no, Jesus is saying, no, you've got to seek after it as you do. That's why I believe there's so much breakthrough at conferences. Have you ever wondered why sometimes you might be able to raise this? You go to a conference and you get so much breakthrough. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. It's because so many people are going and seeking. And God's answering prayer just by seeking, by actively going to get healing breakthrough. And so there's, you know, there's God, seeking is such an important thing. I could probably talk to you for all day about scriptures on seeking, um, but I won't, of course. But I'll, I'll give you a few that are really, really powerful. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for you must believe that he first exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice that if we don't believe that he's going to reward us for seeking him, that we're, it's impossible to please him. Believing that he's going to reward us for seeking him is actually part of faith, according to that scripture. And if we don't believe that, we're, it's impossible to please God. Isn't that interesting? So God wants us to believe that as we actively pursue him, as we're seeking and we're actively seeking what we desire, that he is going to give it to you. But we have to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the key is believing it. So if you're seeking after the healing breakthrough, just believe, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm asking for it. I'm going to whatever, the healing conference. I'm reading books on healing. And God's faithful. It's just a matter of time before the breakthrough comes. But you've got to believe that the breakthrough is going to come in order uh, to get what you're seeking after. There's a, there's a good portion of scripture in Luke 18. Um, I guess we're kind of running low on time. So I'm going to just allude to it. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Um, I don't think I'll, I'll read it. Most of you probably know this, but, but I want to emphasize verse 1. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And then he goes on uh, about a widow, a persistent widow, who kept on going to this unjust judge over and over and over and over and over until the judge was like, Finally, he said, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. That's the NIV version. I know other versions don't say it like that. But. And then in verse 6, this is Jesus talking. He says, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Now, the reason I, I showed you this verse is because the persistent widow was persistent. She kept on seeking after, and that's what Jesus was trying to show. Don't give up. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. In fact, in Luke 11, those verses are, in the Greek, they're active verbs. So they're saying, it, it could read in English, act. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So now the interesting thing about this is Jesus links this persistence to faith. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We often think that if we ask for something once and, and we didn't see it, it's, and that we shouldn't ask for it again because that's not faith. I don't think that's accurate according to this, this verse. Jesus actually says, no, that widow who kept going back and asking over and over and over until she got the breakthrough, that's faith. And will I see that faith when I come back to earth? Will I see people who didn't give up hope for what they're seeking after and they just wouldn't give up and keep on, kept on coming to me and asking and seeking and knocking over and over until the breakthrough came? That's what he's linking faith to. It's the same with Hebrews. A lot of the people, it said that they didn't see the promise in their lifetime, but they had faith. The hall of faith, Hebrews 11. The hall of fame of faith are people who just wouldn't give up. They saw the promise. They didn't even see in their lifetime, but they made it in the Bible as, as 
heroes of our faith because they didn't give up. Think of Abraham 25 years before he saw the breakthrough, but he didn't give up. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. When we're seeking after something, God's telling us, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. You're going to get the breakthrough. It's just a matter of time. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. This is a pretty famous scripture. But for, again, for some reason, we leave out the last part, which I, I don't really understand why. He says, this is God. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. Verse 13. You will, again, this is interesting. It's in the context of prayer. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I'll be found by you, declares the Lord. So isn't that interesting? God's saying, if you seek me, you'll find me. And if you you got to seek me with all your heart, though. Then I'll be found. So again, God is really, there's tons of scriptures on seeking. I've got, I got to move on. But I, all that to say, I want to emphasize the fact that God really, seeking is an aspect of prayer. And the act of pursuit, people who go to conferences, you're praying. Those who are reading books for whatever you're seeking after, you're praying when you're doing that. Listening to sermons on things you're seeking after, you're, you're, you're praying. Even though it doesn't feel like you're praying, you're praying. And as you keep on doing that, you're going to see breakthrough. Now the last thing Jesus talks about is knocking. So what in the world is knocking all about? I think you could probably you know, argue different things. But I'm going to give you my opinion because I don't think it's necessarily absolutely sure what it means, but notice knocking is in the parable. He went and knocked on the door, and Jesus says that's, that's the third element of prayer. I think what knocking means is shameless audacity. Because right after Jesus gives that parable, I tell you, I mentioned this early, he, earlier, he, he'll not give him the bread because of his friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he'll surely give you, up, give you as much as, as you need. I think that's what knocking is. Going to, he likens it to going to someone's house, as I mentioned, in the middle of the night and waking up the whole family to get what you're asking for. Shameless audacity in prayer is a posture of heart that won't give up. And you'll do things that other people would say, wow, that was audacious. That was really bold. And Jesus is saying, that's how you've got to be in prayer. You've got to be relentless. You've got to be shameless. You've got to do things that people will think are crazy. And as you do, you're knocking on heaven's door and saying, God, you know, I'm not giving up. And the windows of heaven are going to open as you do that, as you, be, as you uh, pursue God with sh- that posture of heart that's shameless and is audacious. Now, I, I want to say, like, there's a fine line between confidence sometimes and arrogance. I don't want... I don't want to say, like, be arrogant in prayer, but God really, if Jesus is telling us we've got to be shamelessly audacious, how many of you know we've got to be shamelessly audacious? And that might look like, you know, whatever to other people, but it's not. It's how we're supposed to, according to Jesus, approach God in prayer. Now, I just want to end uh, with, with, as I mentioned, this, this scripture, when I took a hold of it, changed my life. When I actually was like, wow. Look at what Jesus says. This is how he ends this teaching. Verses 11 through 13. He says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's interesting to me that this is almost like one of those things... Jesus is just like, it's almost like he's like, hey, just ask for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get him. It's almost like Jesus just saying, hey, hello, ask for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get him. You know, like, I'm telling you, if you want the Holy Spirit, just ask God and he's going to give it to you. How much more will he give it to you if you want him? And I think this is almost Jesus provoking us and saying, hey, ask for the Holy Spirit and you're going to get him. I like it. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that he has this in the, in the teaching of prayer. So it almost tells me that Jesus is like, hey, keep on asking for the Holy Spirit and you're going to get more and more and more. God is going to give them to you. And, and before he says, you know, if you ask for a fish, is he going to give him a snake? What Jesus is saying, he's not going to give you something evil. If you ask God for something good, like the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you a demon, you know, 
He's not going to give you something evil, and he's not going to give you something you don't want, something stupid that would harm you. He's going to give you what you're asking for. So when I got a hold of this, I'm like, wow, Jesus is telling us to ask for the Holy Spirit. In Second Corinthians, or sorry, Second, I mean First, there's these other scriptures. I'm just going to share them because um, this just changed my life. First Corinthians 12, verse 31. He just finishes listing all the gifts of the Spirit, talking about all the gifts of the Spirit. And he ends it by saying, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the Bible. God is telling us to eagerly desire the greater gifts. It's not selfish. It's not wrong to ask for you know, the best gifts because he's telling us we, we have to. It's actually, I, I don't know, I think it's, it's my opinion. It's a matter of obedience because the scripture tells us we're supposed to desire the spiritual gifts. And so if we do, how many of you know God's, God has that there for a reason? He actually wants us to do that. In 1 Corinthians, this is the other verse, um, 12. Oh my goodness, I'm dropping all my papers here. Um, well, I know the verse, I just... Oh, here, thank you so much. For, uh, 14, one. it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Twice, why would he say that twice to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts if he didn't want us to? And you know what the interesting thing is? The word desire there is actually the word lust. You know in, in Matthew 6 where Jesus said those who lust after a woman in their hearts, they're guilty of adultery? That's the same Greek word. So God is actually, it's a strong word. He's saying lust after the spiritual gifts. So I heard that. And, and, you know, this whole thing on seeking, asking, knocking, asking for the Holy Spirit, I'm like, I want that. If the Bible is telling me to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, if the Bible's telling me to ask for the Holy Spirit, if the Bible's saying whatever I ask for, I'm going to get it, if Jesus is telling me this, I know it's for real. I know he's going to do it. And so I'm just going to go for it. This is in 2006. Um, because of time, I can't go over the whole story. But, but basically, I, I was... I got saved in 2001. I was unfortunately living a lukewarm Christian walk for a few years. But in 2006, I, something happened. I'm like, I was moving to a new city. and stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go after God. So I moved to a new city. I'm at this place where um, I'm, I'm hearing awesome teachings. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to just pray every day. I'm going to ask God for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask God for all that I would. I was like, I'm going to be shamelessly audacious. What does that look like? As I mentioned earlier, 2 Corinthians verse 120, it says all God's promises are yes and amen. So I was like, I'm going to approach God with a posture believing that what I ask for is going to happen. Because he promised that no matter how many promises, they're all yes. And so it's not a matter of whether he will, it's a matter of when he will. So I was just like, God, you say to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So I eagerly desire, and I just listed all of them. I, the word of wisdom, the message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miraculous powers, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, discerning of spirits. Every single day, I'd say, God, I want more of your Holy Spirit. I want to feel you more. I want to know you more. I, I want to learn how to receive and respond and flow in your glory. You know, just, just going for it. Because Jesus said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get him. And at that time, I, I, I you know... I don't think I was really operating in the gifts. Maybe prophecy a little bit, but I didn't have tongues. I didn't have any of that. So I, I just did this every day. Basically. I, I prayed for other things, of course, but I, I'm just emphasizing these things. And I was like, God, you say to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. You know, I'm knocking on heaven's door. I'm being shameless about it. I'm like, you promise, and I know you're going to answer me. So I just desire, and I list them all every day. I want more of the Holy Spirit. Three months go by. I'm, I'm going through kind of a rough time. It's February 2nd, 2007. I was just kind of in a, in a place in my life where I was, you know, kind of going through a rough time. So I was praying one night. God speaks to me. 1037, I'll never forget this, PM, changed my life. Speaks to me. He says, open your mouth and speak. I was like, in my mind, I, I, somehow I knew what he was talking about. In my mind, I'm like, God, I don't know how to speak in tongues. You know, I've tried. It, you know, he's, he didn't listen to me. He just said it again. He's like, open your mouth and speak. I was like, Okay, I'm by myself in, you know, in my living room. I'm like, okay, here it goes. I just open my mouth and whew, tongues just come out. Like, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what the heck? This is awesome. What's, what's going on? Is this me talking, you know? 
five-hour encounter that night. Speaking in tongues and all five hours, a whole bunch of amazing things happened. One of the things that, that just rocked me is for about 45 minutes to an hour, I got interpretations, and I was writing them all out as I was getting out. Speaking in tongues, writing them out, getting all this stuff. I got like, I don't know, 13 or 14 pages written out of, of stuff from God. Specific answers to prayer. I, I'm talking about like specific details that I was asking him about. Um, pro- prophetic stuff, things that he was calling me to, you know, uh, just encouragement, some correction. It changed my life. I'm like, wow, God. And you know what he told me in the interpretations? One of the things he said, he said, this is an answer to your prayers. Thank you for your diligence. Remember Hebrews 11, 6? It says, without faith, it's impossible to please, please God because you must believe that he exists and that he's rewarded those who diligently seek him. He said, thank you for your diligence. This is an answer to your prayers. This is an answer to your parents' prayers. Why did it take three months? I have no idea. He actually told me the interpretations that um, I wasn't ready for it before that night. So I don't get all of that. All I know is that changed my life. I, wo- I went to bed that night at four something in the morning, woke up a transformed man. And I was, I've never been the same since. I, I got to the place because God became so real to me. I couldn't deny it. I got to the place where I was like, God, I give you everything. I give you my entire self. All that I have is yours. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. And I meant it in my heart. I don't think I could have said it before that and meant it. But because God became so real to me, I was like, I'm going for it. There's no other purpose in life other than to just do the things, that just go for God and full on, you know. And he took me up on that. If I had time, but... After that, I was in a season of like six months where I had, it was almost like God was catching me up for all those years I was lukewarm. I was having life-changing encounters one after another, like once a month. I would get to a place where I'm like, it can't get any, how can it get any better than this? And God would do something totally outside of my, you know, wow, I never knew God did that kind of thing. You know, like I experienced God in ways I never even heard of before. You know, raising, raising our expectations. And it's just been my journey. I, I mean, that was, what, six years ago now? I've been just living for God ever since. I've had so many amazing life-changing encounters. You know what the amazing thing is? I, I would have to look, but I was praying. I had like a prayer list. All of those prayers got answered, I think. I think every single one. I'd have to look, but in a matter of however many months. And it's almost like God just saying, I'm faithful. Asking, seeking, knocking, I'm faithful. You know, it might not happen right away, but when the time is right, it's going to happen. Ask, seek, knock, be faithful, just diligence. Keep on that, keep at it, keep at it. And I just want to encourage you today, you know, in that season, that's why I, was, I started off by saying raising our expectations, taking the limits off. God can do beyond what we can think or imagine. Nothing is impossible with God. Mark 9:23. everything is possible for him who believes. We just, it's almost like, I think, I think God is almost like just putting it out there where it's like, hey, raise your, just, just ask. Just, just ask, raise your expectations, no limits. What, what's the biggest thing you can think of? I can do even better than that. So I just, the reason I I wanted to share this, because not only did it change my life, I feel like this church, Nebraska, there's just, you know, you might have heard it said, Nebraska is the heart of America, it's the center of America. And, And I've heard it said prophetically that as it goes in Nebraska, so goes in the rest of America. I think there is such a calling and destiny on Nebraska. God is doing such amazing things in Nebraska right now. And you can be a part of it. And I feel like God is just saying, hey, raise your expectations. Don't, don't let your past limit what I'm going to do, what I want to do. There's no limits. No limits. If you've heard of it in revival history, I can do beyond that. Because I can do beyond what you're even thinking about. And so I just want to release that over your congregation. Go for it. If there's something you want, go for it. I gave you so many scriptures. Jesus says, 
ask for whatever you desire. Whatever you wish, it'll be done. Just ask. Just start asking. Whatever your desires, it might have been things years ago and you just gave up hope. You know, I started today with that scripture on hope. Romans 5.5, hope does not disappoint. I think a lot of us have become disappointed with hope. But it says hope does not disappoint because he's shed abroad his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. So I'm just releasing that hope today. And I want us just to dream with God. And just to, just to go for it. And I, I, I remember I said, Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'm prophesying to you today. If, I, if this breakthrough is something you want in your life, that, that happened to me, receive it. I'm prophesying to you. It's an opportunity and an invitation for you to experience the same thing I did. Not, no less and even more, beyond what you can think or imagine. So I just bless you with that. I'm going to finish. So I went a bit over. Yeah, sure. Would you stand up? Um, do you mind? Oh, yeah. So um, I just wanted to do this. Would you mind closing your eyes, just bowing your heads? And the reason I'm doing this is because if there is anybody, and I know it's Sunday morning, maybe there's not, but if there's anybody who hasn't given their life to Christ, who hasn't made that decision for Jesus, who hasn't fully surrendered to God, this, this, is, this is an amazing opportunity. This is your day. Maybe, maybe you once were following the Lord and just like I did for years, you lived in compromise, you sort of slid away, and you're not even sure if you're right with God now. You know, you're just not really sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. If that's you, I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. That's why I have everyone's eyes closed and every head bowed, so no one will even know. Would you just raise your hand? If you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to surrender completely, Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am, in the back. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? This is your day. This is... Thanks, ma'am, in the back. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? God loves you so much. He died for you. He died on the cross rose again so that you would have eternal life with God, with the Father, because he loves you so much with an everlasting love. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Okay. Well, like I said, I'm not going to embarrass any of you, but I would love, just as an act of faith, we're going to say this prayer together so that you're not singled out. So if you would all just pray this with me, now, just to give you an explanation, this is a prayer of, of salvation. It's not a formula, but God says in, a, in Romans that if you confess you with your mouth and you, uh, that Jesus is Lord and believe in, your, or believe in your heart that he rose from the grave, that you'll be saved. I should look that up to make sure the wording's right. But essentially what that's saying is you just got to believe and you'll be saved. That Jesus died and he rose again for you, for you and died on the cross so that you would go to heaven. He purchased everything. Your sins are forgiven. All you got to do is believe. Like I was talking about earlier, you just got to believe that he did it. And you just got to confess that he's Lord over your life. So this is a prayer of dedication. It's a prayer. It says in, in 1 John 9 that if you confess your sins, he's faithful for, to, to forgive your sins. And so today is the best thing that's ever happened to you if you rose your hand. Because it's a clean slate. God sent his son to die for you in your place so that you'll, you'll live with him forever in heaven. And, and I just can't emphasize that enough. It was all paid for at the cross. It's all by grace. And so as you pray this prayer, just believe in faith that, that he, he did it for you and that he is the Lord over your life and that you're going to have the most amazing life you ever thought possible as a result of this decision. So why don't we all pray together? And just repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you 
for what you did for me. Thank you that you went and died on the cross. And after three days you rose again. And you forever live to be my Lord. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I surrender my heart and my life to you. Completely. I thank you for what you did. And I thank you that you are my God. And that I have everlasting life with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just give the Lord a hand. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The, it's, the angels are, it says the angels rejoice when somebody comes home to the Lord, to the Father. This is the best day of your life. I'm, we're just, we're just, welcome to the family. If you rose your hands, we're just so excited for you. Um, you can, you don't have to, there's no pressure, but if you want to talk to either Deborah or I or Pastor Mariano after the service, just if you have any questions about the decision you just made, this is just the first day of the rest of your life. It just gets better and better and better. So make sure you connect with fellow believers. Um, this is just the beginning of a, an amazing relationship. And um, yeah, so feel free to talk to us after the service if you have any questions or whenever. Next week you can talk to Pastor whatever you feel, but there's no pressure. But if you, if you do have any questions, please, we'd love to answer anything you have. Um, for the rest of you, um, sorry we went a bit over, um, but if you want prayer for anything, if you just want someone to pray in agreement, if you've had something in your mind, like I was talking about raising our expectations, and you just maybe you become, quote-unquote, disappointed with hope, we'd love just to minister to you for a bit. I know it's late, and, and sorry it's lunchtime, but if that's you and you just want somebody to pray with you, um, we'd love to. We'll be at the front. There's only a couple of us, so it might be kind of quick, but we'd love to pray uh, for whatever. So thank you again for this amazing opportunity. I uh, hope to see you guys tonight. And, and like Pastor was saying, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 6.30, we're having services. Our leader, Elizabeth, she is amazing. If you haven't seen her, you've got to see her. She has the ma- most amazing testimonies. Some of them I, you know, probably you'll ever hear of. It's just wild stuff. So hope to see you. And thanks so much. This has been an honor. Bless you guys. Oh, okay. I'll just pray. Pastor asked me to pray. So God, I just thank you for everything that you're working today. I thank you for your everything you're doing in people's hearts today. I thank you for the people who surrendered their lives to you. God, I just ask that you would put the right people in their lives that would help disciple them and just show them your love, God. And I just thank you again for all you're doing in Columbus and Nebraska. I thank you that you're just there's no limits and as a result of all the things that you're doing that that this church will never be the same and that there's just going to be a fresh wave of joy and peace and hope in Jesus' name. So I just bless you all. Have an amazing day, and I I hope to see you all again. Thank you.